traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. It's more money with leading economist Steve Moore. Stephen Moore is with us, economist. With more than 30 years experience as an economist and as a leading thinker of government on business, showing deep understanding of the shifts in the global economy. He's leading economist Steve Moore with more money on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Hello, folks. Welcome back. This is more. You're listening to more money on WABC Radio, the best talk radio station in the nation. Thank you so much for tuning in. I feel privileged and honored to be able to uh, to host this show every Saturday afternoon at 2 p.m. I want to do a shout out to my friend uh, John Katsimides, who is the owner of this great radio show, who allows me to. Uh, spend an hour with you every week. And uh, this show, for those of you who are new to the show, is really about the intersection of politics, policy, the money in your wallet, and finance. And so we're going to talk a little bit about the status of what's going on with COVID, because just when it seemed like we had this thing conquered, we're seeing some new variants of this this, uh, terrible disease. So I want to talk to one of the world's experts, Phil Kirpin, on how serious this is. Uh, you know, we're also going to talk to uh, one of the top political minds in the country, Dick Morris. And as you know, he has a show on WABC on Sundays. So uh, I can't wait to hear what he thinks about what's going on politically. But I want to start off by saying, first of all, I hope everybody's having a great, great weekend uh, and having a great, great summer. I got to tell you, folks, I just literally flew back from uh, the mountain states. I was in the great state of South Dakota. And only my second time, second, maybe third time in my life, I've uh, been to South Dakota. And I was in Rapid City. I think most of you know what's in Rapid City, South Dakota, uh, Mount Rushmore. And I went out to the monument before they blow it up. And I'm only half joking because, uh, you know, these are all politically incorrect people. Abraham Lincoln and Thomas Jefferson and George Washington and T.R. Theodore Roosevelt. But I got to tell you, if you have not done that trip, folks, you got to go. I mean, it is worth it. It's a it's a it's a hard <laughs> trip to get to Rapid City. It's out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, but it is an incredible thing. I mean, I really just my heart was just uh, stomping when I saw it. And uh, you know me, I uh, you cut me, I bleed red, white and blue. And I just thought it was really an incredible thing to be up close and see that fantastic monument. And by the way, there's room for, I'm looking at that mountain, and there is room for one or two more people to be added to Mount Rushmore. And one of the questions, by the way, I will be taking your questions today on the More Money Hotline. Uh, We do this every week at about 2.40 or so. So that's in about maybe 30 minutes. We'll be taking your calls. And I want to, there's a lot I want to talk about, and obviously it was ever on your mind. And by the way, this is uh, free speech radio, so I like to hear from people with all different political persuasions. I don't care if you're a liberal, conservative, Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, uh, be respectful. But we do want everyone's opinion. So I want to know if you could add one or maybe two presidents 
to Mount Rushmore, you know, going all the way from George through George Washington through, well, they wouldn't put Joe Biden on there because he's still president, but from, uh, you know, what, what about Donald Trump? <laughs> That's an idea. What about Donald Trump on Mount Rushmore? Uh, so I'm going to tell you right now, folks, I would put Ronald Reagan on Mount Rushmore. I think he was one of the great presidents of our uh, lifetimes, and he won the Cold War. He turned around our economy. He restored faith in America, uh, and uh, and uh, his eight years in, in office were uh, really incredible, transformed America in a very positive way, made us as Americans believe in ourselves again. And one of the things I loved about Reagan, by the way, remember his ad, his his kind of theme was government is not the solution. Government is the problem. And I'm here to tell you, I think right now our biggest problem in America today is government. We've just got to get the government out of the way. It's growing too fast, too high taxes, too high spending, too much debt, too much regulation. And I think it's burdening our country. And that's not what our country is about. Our country, it was really based on limited government. And uh, as George Washington said, uh, you know, government, which governs least governs best. And we need to get back to that idea. But uh, before we have to get this break, I want to mention a few things that are going on in the economy, because I want this is kind of fodder for our discussion later in the hour. Uh, when you call in, and remember that's 1-800-848-9222, and I can't wait to hear what you all have to say. But a couple of things. I'm going to give you the good news first, and then I'm going to talk about the, some of the bad news, and then we're going to get to my friend Dick Moore. So the good news, Dow 35,000. How about that? I mean, that's an amazing thing. The Dow Jones hits 35,000. First, I believe it was the first time ever. I may be wrong about that. It might have gone briefly over 35,000 a few weeks ago, but boy, what a week this was with the stock market. It, it, it kind of crashed by almost a thousand points earlier in the week, and then it came roaring back. And that is because we have an economy that is reopening. Uh, when I was in South Dakota, by the way, everything's completely normal. Uh, you, you just, you, the only time I ever had to wear a mask in South Dakota was when I was in the airport. Uh, and, uh, and it was uh, amazing to see businesses open, restaurants open. Just like every other state, though, they do have problems getting workers back. Uh, and so that'll be an interesting challenge. But Dow 35,000. Now, here's something to just consider how awesome that number is. In 1980. Let's see, early 1982, right before the Reagan tax cuts took place, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was just about a little under a thousand, a thousand points on the Dow. So think about that for a minute. Think about those two data points. In 1981, 82, we're at a thousand on the Dow. Here we are 40 years later, and we've got the Dow at 35. Not 3,500. I mean, it would be a hell of an accomplishment if we went from 1,000 to 3,500. We didn't go from 1,000 to 3,500. We went from 1,000 to 35,000. So if you put, you know, just $1,000 in the stock market in 1981, you know, you're a millionaire today, a millionaire. And one of my big themes is why don't we why don't we move towards a private system for Social Security? Let let young people put their money in an index fund. Ten percent of your paycheck, every paycheck you get, five percent from the employer, five percent from employee goes to an IRA index fund. So every American, black, white, Hispanic, high income, low income, middle income, everybody, man, woman, owns a piece of the rock. You own a, a share of America. And if we did that, my God, if we had done that 40 years ago 
every single person listening to this show over the age of 65 would have a pension with over a million dollars in it. So let's not wait another day. Let's move away from the worst investment you ever make in your life, which is Social Security, and move towards a system where you can actually make money in the market. By the way, we can do it. We can guarantee people that they will get no worse than Social Security. Most people will get two or three or four times higher monthly benefits if they have those private accounts. But the other point I wanted to make, about this economy is it didn't happen by accident. You know, we Reagan really started this trend of lowering tax rates throughout the board in the United States. It brought a lot of jobs, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, capital into this country, a, a surge in innovation. Uh, Silicon Valley was really born in the late seventies, early eighties with the with the Reagan agenda. So let's not move away from that. Now that's the good news. Bad news. Two quick things I'm going to mention before the break. Number one. What the hell is going on with this pipeline? Uh, did you follow the story, folks? I mean, I, I, when I w- read the newspaper, I re- opened up the Wall Street Journal after having my coffee. I'm kind of bleary-eyed. I'm open, looking. Front page of the Wall Street Journal, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday. Joe Biden approves a pipeline from Russia, Siberia, Russia, to, to Germany, which, by the way, they're going to pipeline all this natural gas from Siberia into Western Europe through Germany, and and uh, and uh, uh, you know um, uh, Joe Biden says to Merkel and to uh, to uh, the the Russians, yeah, you can do this. That's fine with us. We have no problem with that. Wait a minute, folks. <laughs> what the heck is going on here? <laughs> the first thing Biden did when he came as president is he vetoed a a uh, pipeline here in the United States so we can get the oil from, you know, uh, Alberta, Canada and North Dakota and Oklahoma and Texas throughout the country. And so he said, no, 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 we're not going to allow that oil and gas drilled here in the United States, but we're going to allow Germany and France and Italy and Spain to become dependent on Russian natural gas. Sorry, folks, I have a big problem with that. I think that's the most crazy thing I've ever heard in my life. Next, I want to mention this. Joe Biden said the other day, at the CNN, he was on CNN at Town Hall, and he said, yes, I'm concerned about inflation. I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing him, and I'm, I'm not quoting him directly, so I, this may not be exactly what he said, but the meaning is he said, yes, we're worried a little bit about it, but he said all the expert economists say inflation is going to go away, which I'm an economist. I, I'm very worried about inflation. I don't see it being necessarily transitory. I hope he's right. But then here's what he said, which really stunned me. He said, if we want to do something about inflation, what we should do is pass my $4 trillion spending debt print money bill. I almost fell off my chair. What the heck is he talking about? If you've got a debt problem, if you've got an inflation problem, what is the worst thing you could possibly do? Continue to borrow and print money. If you keep printing money and dumping money out of helicopter windows, do you think inflation can get better or worse? I mean, Jesus, these people in the White House need to have their head examined. I don't know if they actually believe this or, you know, one of my uh, great uh, mentors was, you all may remember Herman Cain, who ran for president, I think, in, when was that? 2000, I think it was, 2004. Herman was a real great friend and, and a mentor of mine. And he wrote a great book called They Think We're Stupid. And when, when Joe Biden says something like that, oh, yeah, the, the solution to our inflation problem is to spend and borrow and print $4 trillion more money. 
Uh, they must think we're stupid. If I'm here to tell you, we are not stupid. They're stupid if they actually think that that uh, a debt bill like that is going to make the problem better. Uh, you know, you're seeing what's happening with these poor fires uh, in the West. I shouldn't be laughing about this because it's a very serious thing. But it would be like Joe Biden say, "Hey, I got a solution to the forest fires. Out, let's just dump gasoline on the forest fires." Well, that's what he wants to do with our national debt. Uh, I can't wait to hear what Dick Morris has to say about all of this. He will be on next. You're listening to more money on WABC Radio. Tunnel the Towers Foundation presents the Never Forget Concert to commemorate and honor victims of 9-11, Saturday, August 21st, 2021, at Northwell Health at Jones Beach Theater, featuring Journey, the Chainsmokers, Steve Miller Band, Lee Bryce, Wyclef Jean, John Fogarty, Gavin DeGraw, Flo Rida, and many more. Purchase tickets at Live Mission.com. The views and opinions expressed by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect the policies or positions of WABC Radio, its management, or its sponsors. Paid for by Bar Justice. This is More Money with economist Steve Moore. Now, Steve Moore. Welcome back, folks. This is Steve Moore. You're listening to More Money on WABC Talk Radio. I do not forget that in about a little less than a half an hour, we will be taking your calls uh, because I want to hear your answer to the question. And I'm, I'm going to ask my next guest this question as well. If you could add anyone, any president to uh, Mount Rushmore, because there's room there. I was just there. There's room for another president on Mount Rushmore. Who would you want to put on Mount Rushmore. What president? I want to hear from people of, of all political persuasions. My next guest is, is the great uh, Dick Morris. Dick Morris has been a presidential advisor to Bill Clinton. He was an advisor to Donald Trump, probably the, one of the three or four smartest political minds in America, and a good friend. And Dick, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Thank you. Well, I'd put Reagan there. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I said. Too. So great minds think alike. Uh, I think I would yeah. do. I think won the Cold I mean, War really have, revived it. What's that? You have FDR there who won World War Two, and yep. uh, Reagan won the Cold War. And uh, I think yep. he completely changed the whole drift of American policy as radically. You can see how radical the change was because Biden yep. is undoing it all. And you can see how radical his changes are. And that tells you how great Reagan's were. So let me just say one quick thing about that. You know, I I don't know if you heard earlier, I was in um, I was in Rapid City, South Dakota this weekend. So I had the chance to go see Mount Rushmore, which if you haven't done it, you've got to go see it. It's really, really an incredible thing to see. Uh, But, um, you know, it was built. It uh, started being built, I think, in 1929 and was finished around 1940 or so. And I do believe if it had been built, Dick, about 10 years later, FDR would probably almost certainly be on, yeah. Yeah, on, on Mount Rushmore. Okay. So let's oh, get you right know, I am sorry, it. Steve. I'm sorry. Yes. I totally forgot that FDR is not on it. Of course. Yes. He yeah. would come before yeah. Reagan. Yeah, yeah it was, it's Theodore, Theodore Roosevelt is uh, is on the yeah, uh, right. Rushmore. Anyway, okay, right. but I want to talk to you about what's happening right now because I, I was flabbergasted. I, I listened to that uh, CNN 
uh, town hall meeting that Biden had. And he said things that I literally, I almost fell off my chair. And I'll give you one, and I'd like you to just kind of riff off of this, which is he said that, we yes, we probably do have an inflation problem, but that's why we have to pass my $4 trillion debt bill and printing $4 trillion more money. Now, Dick, I know you're not an economist. Uh, I'm the economist. You're the political mind here. But how in the world do you stop inflation by printing $4 trillion more money? Yeah, you don't. Um, you don't. You, of course, don't. You exacerbate it when you print more money, when you spend more money. You're putting right. dollars out there and the dollars increase the demand. The supply doesn't go up and the prices go up. And then if on top of that, you're imposing taxes on business that make it harder to invest in new plants and equipment, capital gains, uh, the supply is not so only why, limited. Why, why is he saying Dick, why is he saying these things? Is he does he believe this? Is he just reading a script? I mean, I got the sense I, in watching him that know. he's sort of been drilled. I would, that he's just I would send it. Yeah. I would send the script back to clean to screen for typos. But let me <laughs> tell you what I think is really going on about Biden's okay. dementia and this whole deal. Um, you have to go back in time to remember that when uh, Biden was entering the was in the primaries of 2020. He clearly was losing those primaries, and he right. limped into South Carolina. Right. And um, at, at that point, the boss of South Carolina's Democratic Party, James Clyburn, the African-American right. congressman, yes. had the power to basically choose the next president, the next Democratic nominee. Yes, I remember he could that. have chosen anybody. The one thing they were telling him is, don't choose Bernie Sanders because we don't think he can win. We think he's too right. far left. Right, which in light of what Biden's done is ridiculous. But in any case, he could have chosen Warren or Klobuchar or uh, any of them, Buttigieg, any of them would have been okay. But he chose Biden. And the reason he chose Biden, I believe, is that he knew that he would not run for re-election at most and perhaps not serve out his term. And I think the goal of the African-American political community was to recapture the Oval Office, to get Obama back Uh and uh, recapture it for their views and their patronage and their faction and the whole bit. And so he went to um, Biden and he said, you can do this. I'll give you my endorsement, but you have to name a woman. That's what he said in public. But I think in private, he probably said a black woman as vice president. And at the time, uh, I believed that he meant Michelle Obama. And uh, the assumption in, poly- in the inside circles was that it was Michelle. So Biden went ahead and made that commitment, one in South Carolina. Uh, three days later, that carried over to Super Tuesday, which is largely a black primary, because the blacks are still very concentrated in the southern states. Right, sure. And yep. uh, Biden swept to the nomination. Michelle, so, way, can I just inter- interrupt you for one second? You, I think it was you who told me, I, I forget who I was talking to this week, but it might have been you who, who told me that actually Michelle Obama was offered the vice presidency yes. by yes. Biden. Rumor, she turned it down. Is that true? She, well, the rumor is that it, that it happened. And at the time, I heard it from many different sources. Wow. And as you recall, Biden sort of shopped the job for a couple of for a month or two. And every speculation built as to who he'd choose. And right. uh, I think that that. That was while he was trying to get Michelle. Um, And uh, I think she did turn it down. So that so at that point, 
uh, he went to, oh, went to Harris because that was the default choice among right. black women. Uh, now, the goal of the black community that really leveraged this whole deal was to recapture the Oval Office. And uh, to do that, they got Harrison as vice president. But, John, but, but then, Dick, she's been a disaster. Yeah, but they didn't know that then. And okay. as the and as the evidence of his of Biden's senility and dementia piled up, it right. became clear that that this guy is is not long for this job or this world, perhaps. And uh, the pressure on him uh, to step aside or to or or have the Twenty Fifth Amendment invoked uh, to remove him, I think, is rising. And I think you're going wow. to see that that will be the wow. dominant story of the next six or eight months. So, wait, wait, who, where is that pressure going to come from? From the black community and from the world as they begin to see Joe Biden. And well, except the, except that they've got a problem because, I mean, Kamala Harris has become a bit of a laughingstock, yeah, actually. Well, let me, I mean, let me, let me come ahead. to that, Stephen. Yeah. I think that, that, that the uh, – so that, that was the problem. And Biden's staff, I think, realized how tough the problem was, but they didn't want to lose their jobs or their president. Right. So they began a campaign to to diss Kamala Harris, their own mm. VP. Wait, you, well, hold on. Story. You're saying the white the White House, the the Biden people, yes. did this. Oh my God! It, it, it had to wow. have been the Biden people because wow. you saw these stories with anonymous leaks. That she was terrible, that her staff hated her, that nothing ever got done. Right. right. Fighting that he treated one one service said he treats his staff like SHIT. And yeah. I think that and that obviously could not have come from Harris's staff. They're not gonna leak and discredit their own meal ticket. Uh, first of all, right. they could be shown found out, and secondly, she's what keeps them in power in, in a job. So it had to have been Biden's people. No other source would be close enough to do it right. and credible enough wow. to make those leaks. So why is Biden's people? Why are Biden's people dumping on Harris? And I think the obvious answer here is to push back on the potential Twenty Fifth Amendment. I think. So, it hold, hold on again, Dick. Sorry to interrupt you. But I want to make sure that our that our listeners understand what you're saying because the twenty. Explain to the, my my listeners what the Twenty Fifth Amendment says. 25th Amendment provides that if the vice president and a majority of the cabinet notify the Congress in writing that the president is disabled and no longer able to discharge the duties of his office, the VP immediately becomes the acting president. And then Congress has 21 days to vote on the issue. And if by a two-thirds majority, Congress votes that he is not capable, uh, he is removed from office. Uh, if he gets one third plus one, he can stay in office. Wow! And um, that's the the current that's the amendment. So, oh my God! I think that what you're seeing here is what I call the Spiro Agnew insurance policy. <clears throat> when Nixon was president and knew the danger of impeachment was significant, he went to Agnew to become his vice president. And everybody wondered, what are you putting this guy on for? He doesn't help you politically. He's a thief. Uh, everybody right. knows he stole Maryland blind. Right. And, uh, and it was obvious, as it became clear, that Agnew was his insurance policy. You couldn't wow. throw Nixon out because you'd have Agnew. And then, <laughs> right. sure enough, when they realized that they had to throw Nixon out, the first wow. thing they did was throw, was throw Agnew out. 
and replace him with uh-huh. Gerald Ford. And then once yep. Ford was in, they could proceed to get rid of Nixon because Ford was a tolerable replacement. And I think that's the game that the Biden people are now playing, uh, trying to discredit Harris and generate negative press on her, uh, some of which she deserves, much of which she doesn't, because they're worried that she's going to pull a 25th Amendment coup d'etat. Wow. And I think that's the dynamic that's going on now. We've got Washington. about one one minute left. I've got to ask you. That's fascinating stuff. So I, I I keep saying this to you, and I'm just so mystified by why it is that Joe Biden has moved so far to the radical, loony left in all of the things he's proposing. Well, Do you think they just think that there's some kind of window of opportunity that's slamming shut on them, and they're going to try to get everything they possibly can yeah. get done in the next six months? Is that their strategy? Yes. Precisely. This is Obama's third term. Uh, When he put Powers in uh, as the domestic policy advisor for Biden, uh, when she has no experience in domestic policy, uh, she she basically, you know, how in football, they have the player whose sole job is to run from the huddle to the bench, get the instructions from the coach and then (laughs) run back and tell the huddle what the player is going to be. That's her. And the bench is Obama. And um, they now know that they've screwed it up. They're going to lose Congress or at least the House, but probably both yeah. houses. Oh, so they sure. know they have only about 11 months to pass something. So they're trying to jam everything through. Wow. They know well, it will defeat them ultimately, but it yeah. doesn't matter once it's law, it's law. Well, what, what, what really worries me is that they decide to get rid of them. It just seems they're on a path to almost trying to bankrupt our country with all the spending. That, by the way, you're listening to Dick Morris. Uh, we're up against the heartbreak. Dick, thank This is uh, Dick Morris, the, the political uh, expert. I'd love to have you on next week. I apologize. I'm out of time. Uh, we'll be right back. Okay. It is more money. It's more money with leading economist Steve Moore. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Welcome back, folks. This is Steve Moore. You're listening to More Money on ABC Talk Radio. So we talked a little bit about politics, and I want to go to an issue that really has is having a dramatic impact on the economy and will uh, do so over the course, I think, of the next number of months. Uh, and that is obviously COVID and whether or not how worried should we be about these variants uh, that we're hearing about the Delta variant, which uh, we're seeing more caseloads, we're seeing more infections in some parts of the country. A lot of people are freaked out about this. And I wonder, I want to ask our next uh, guest, which uh, Phil Kirpin, who's really become one of the world's experts on COVID and what's happening. He reads all the medical journals. He's been covering this really from the beginning. And uh, Phil, first, first of all, thanks uh, so much for Joining us before uh, we get to Phil, though, I want to remind people, please, please call in to our More Money hotline at 1-800-848-9333. And that is the number for the uh, for the topic we're talking about uh, today in about 15 minutes, which is what presidents would you put on the Mount Rushmore if you could? There's room there. There's room for one more president. So anyway, Bill, before we get to COVID, I got to ask you, if you could put one uh, additional president on Mount Rushmore, who would it be? Well, I'm going to give you the easy answer and say Ronald Reagan. Uh, oh, that's the hard end. I'll go Calvin Coolidge for the surprise. <laughs> I like Calvin Coolidge. That's a good one. I loved him. He was one of my favorite presidents. Uh, okay. And very underrated, by the way. 
Uh, okay, so what people are worried about uh, about these variants and uh, about whether or not we're going to be going back to lockdowns, how serious a concern is this? Well, the, um, the Delta variant is the most infectious variant we've seen so far, but it is uh, not nearly as infectious as the headlines and the scare people are saying. It's not 50 or 60 or 70 percent more infectious than the UK variant. It's about seven and a half percent more infectious, which by the way is enough for it to totally take over. Now that's why it's almost a hundred percent because even a relatively small advantage in infectivity, it's going to push the other variants out and that's kind of why it's taken over, but it's not massively more infectious. It's a little bit more infectious. Uh, It is not, however, uh, more dangerous. And so it's a little bit more infectious. It's not more dangerous. It may be a little bit less dangerous. It's hard to tell in the UK data, uh, but basically, if you're under 50 in the UK data, there's essentially no risk, vaccinated or unvaccinated. It's just, it's, a, it's, it's like any of the other previous variants, it's not even a little bit more mild. Uh, above age 50, it is pretty deadly, uh, as all of the variants uh, and even the original virus were. Uh, they don't break it down further, I'm sure. Most of their above 50 hospitalizations and deaths, I'm sure, are above 70 or 75, but for whatever reason, they only give us above uh, 50. The U.S. data doesn't even break things down by variant, so you can't even use that. Uh, but I will say that um, it's pretty dangerous in older people uh, who are not vaccinated, which, by the way, Steve, makes it like every other version of coronavirus so far. So it's not that different. It's slightly more infectious, and it's very dangerous in older people who are unvaccinated. And um Younger people don't have much to worry about. Older people who are vaccinated don't have much to worry about. And, you know, that's kind of where we are. And whether it's going to drive more lockdowns, well, that's what I'm really worried about, is that it's going to drive more lockdowns. Um, The good thing we've got going for us right now is that the summer COVID season, for whatever reason, seems to be in the southern states, which tend not to be lockdown happy as a general rule. Uh, We'll get probably the winter wave again everywhere nationally, including in the northern states. But the spring wave kind of came and went through the northern states uh, without a lot of delta and without a lot of panic. And, you know, I'm hoping that the lack of panic and lockdown in the spring wave means that the liberal politicians are kind of locked down out. Uh, But I think that what I fear right now, Steve, is that the southern wave, this delta wave through the south that we're getting in the summer, is going to cause kind of a national fear panic that's going to affect yeah. school plans in the northern states. And uh, so we're going to get, uh, I fear, more school closures in the northern states because they're going to say, oh, look at the national numbers rise, uh, even though they're not really in those areas. And, and that's my it. big concern right now. And I will say this also, Stephen, I think this is so crucial for people to understand. Because the vaccines were so effective in older people in the U.K., they had a very, very high case rate and much lower hospitalizations and deaths than in any previous wave. And so people should okay. not so, fear the case numbers. Got it. All right. So here's the question. Um, and I, I think you answered it, but I'm not sure, sure I understand your answer. So if I've been vaccinated, I'm 61. Uh, do I, so do I need to worry about the, I mean, in other words, is the vaccine no. effective? Yes, against the vaccines are hard. Yes. All of the vaccines are highly effective against all of the variants that have been identified so far. There is some debate in the literature as to whether one dose is effective against the uh, variants or not. Uh, There's some studies that say it is. There's some studies that say it isn't. But all of the studies agree that two doses are effective. 
So which do you recommend? So you recommend people get the two dose, but isn't which one is it? The Moderna is one shot, and uh, the Johnson and Johnson is the one dose. Uh, the okay. Pfizer and Moderna are two dose. Got it. Okay, so uh, we have a New York-based audience, although we reach all the way up to Maine and sometimes all the way down to Georgia. But for, so most of our listeners are in the Northeast, although we have some California listeners and stations there. But for the most part, our, most of our listeners are in the New York metropolitan area. What are we seeing there? Uh, well, we're off the extreme lows that we had kind of when the spring wave ended, but uh, in absolute terms, the numbers are still pretty low. And uh, I would expect that, uh, you know, if we were to follow the pattern from last year, they're not going to really rise again until we get into winter in that area. Uh, that's kind of the, and for whatever reason, that so, seems to be the pattern. So for people who are, uh, so what what age cutoff would you say is the, you best age, you know, at what, at what age should people start getting vaccinated? Well, it's a tough question because uh, there are cardiac side effects with the vaccine that are much more common in young men than in young women. So I think it's a okay. different question depending on gender. I would okay. say that uh, I would say over 30 for men and maybe down to 25 or 20 for women, you really have no reason not to get the vaccine. You don't have much benefit, though, unless you're already over 50 or so, just because there's so little risk with the virus. But if you just want the peace of mind of having it, those are kind of the ages I would go down to uh, yeah, without really much to worry about in terms of the side effects. And what about colleges and uh, high schools and even elementary schools saying they're not going to allow kids in to school unless they've been vaccinated. Is that a wise policy? I really, I really don't like that policy uh, because I think that for, for kids at the, in those age ranges, uh, the cardiac side effects, particularly for boys, are more likely than severe COVID is. Uh, that said, they're, they're both unlikely. So we're talking about yeah, two, right. you know, we're talking about two very yeah, rare like, things. Yeah. The vast okay. majority of the time, kids are going to be fine whether they get it or don't get it, uh, the vaccine or COVID for that matter. And so, you know, it's really it's not something where you should be deathly afraid of the vaccine for your for your kid. But on balance, you really don't need it. It's an unnecessary risk in that age range, especially, Steve. What bothers me is they want to give those kids two doses. Uh, if they said one dose, it might make more sense because the second dose is where you're getting all the side effects. And, you know, there's so low risk to start with. I don't think you need a second dose. So I hope they will revisit the, the dosing recommendation uh, for, for the teenagers. So are we going to keep, continue to see this for the next several years of just all these variants coming up and then, you know, one wave after another? Uh, what, what, how do you see? I mean, I know this is unknowable, but what is your prediction about what, how do we rid the planet of this terrible virus? Well, I don't think, I don't think it's ever going away, but I, I will say that uh, this is a much simpler virus than the flu virus, for instance. It is unlikely to have the vast number of uh, different strains and variants that we have with flu. Uh, there are only so many different places that mutations can occur, and so the variants that we're seeing are starting to converge. Uh, new variants are arising in different places that are actually the same as other ones we've seen before. So we may be near the end of sort of new variants in terms of you know, all the places that can mutations can occur. We, we may have seen most of them already. Uh, that said, I do think we're, we're, we've, this seems to be the seasonal pattern, Steve. It rises in yeah. the, we get a summer wave and a winter wave. And I'll tell you, it's the worst possible seasonal pattern when it comes to schools because people get so happy when the 
you know, when the spring comes and the cases go to zero, yeah. great, we're going to have a great. And then the summer wave comes and people freak out again. Uh, so, you know, I think it's good, but we're not going to get the severe disease and death, I think, as more people are vaccinated, more people have immunity from prior infection. It's going to, over time, become more like a cold. So two last questions. Then One is uh, I was disturbed to uh, learn that there are some, I guess it's some states that are going to require like even eight-year-olds and 10-year-olds to wear masks for six hours while they're in school? Yeah, we've got uh, state of California mandatory masking for all students. Uh, by the way, vaccinated or unvaccinated, so I don't know how they create an incentive for vaccination. Way, is that, that even policy. healthy for kids to wear a mask for six or seven hours? I mean, I, it's, no, it's like almost it. certainly not. I mean, we we know for a fact that there's severe mental health consequences and kids are uh, suffering a lot I of anxiety mean, as a consequence. I think there are physical health to, consequences I, as well. I have, I have hard time breathing with the mask on. I mean, the I, big I, you ones know, I just. The big argument against it, though, and the reason the United Kingdom rejected masks uh, in, for school kids is it really undermines language development and communication uh-huh. skills, and it just creates right. a barrier between kids, makes it really hard for them to learn and develop those important skills, especially in the earlier years. And I just find it crazy because we've got no studies that really show that masking kids is effective or has any health benefit. Uh, the data is all over the map on that. We know that there are harms. And we also know that an unvaccinated child is lower risk than a vaccinated adult. So I think it's crazy. Uh, but, yeah, right, they, right. It's, it is. One last thing. we got 30 seconds left. Does it make sense to bring back lockdowns where businesses have to shut down and uh, all sorts of parks and schools and churches? Uh, d- d- is there any evidence that these lockdowns are effective? Uh, no, there's no evidence. And I'll tell you, my favorite data point that we knew, now have, my brand new data point, is the day that the United Kingdom dropped all of their rules and restrictions, what they call Freedom Day, was the exact day of their case peak of this wave. And they've been going down every day since. Uh, let's hope that happens in America as well. Hey, that's uh, Phil Kirpin. He works at American Commitment. He works with me at the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. But, by the way, folks, do not forget, if you want to get our Committee to Unleash Prosperity hotline, uh, it is free. All you have to do is go to the Committee to Unleash Prosperity website and just say, I want to uh, get the hotline every day. We'll deliver it to your doorstep. That is your computer screen every morning, and I think you'll enjoy it. And Phil is one of the main editors of that. Phil, thanks for joining us. We will be right back. I want to take your calls now. 1-800-848-9333, the More Money Hotline. Uh, I'm sorry, More Money Hotline is 1-800-848-9222. I, said, I misspoke. I said 9333. It's 1-800-848-9222, and we will take your calls. Who do you want to be on Mount Rushmore, and what else is on your mind? We'll be taking your calls in one minute. It's more money with leading economist Steve Moore. Stephen Moore is with us, economist. With more than 30 years' experience as an economist and as a leading thinker of government on business, showing deep understanding of the shifts in the global economy, he's leading economist Steve Moore with more money on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Welcome back, folks. It's Steve Moore. It's more money on WBC 77 Talk Radio. Uh, we are now taking your calls. By the way, I sincerely apologize. I gave the wrong number a few minutes ago. I want to remind people that the correct uh, number for the More Money Hotline, call in right now if you want to get on. We have one open line right now. 
1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. We want to hear from you. The question we're asking is, who do you think should be added to Mount Rushmore? If there's space up there for one more president, maybe two, who should it be? You know, going back all the way to George Washington through uh, Barack Obama and, and Donald Trump. Should we put Donald Trump on that? Uh, that would be an interesting one. So anyway, uh, I want to hear from you. Uh, our first caller, by the way, is Steve from New Jersey. Steve, what do you got for us? Hey, Steve. Thanks for taking my call. Ronald, well, I'm, I'm two years younger than you, Ronald Reagan. We both know how bad it was in 1980. Yeah. All right? The economy was terrible. We, yeah. we had to register for the draft to get student loans. By eight years later, completely turned around. You would agree. Ronald Reagan, you judge a president how oh, good yeah. he I did. I think it's unanimous. You're, you're, Steve, you're the fourth person I've asked uh, on the show, and everyone has said Reagan. And I think, you know, it's so interesting that Reagan's, um, you know, his stature has risen so much, uh, you know, in the last, uh, you know, 30 years since he left office, uh, because he did, I mean, you really nailed it, my friend. He really did rebuild the American economy. He rebuilt the American military. Uh, he re- rebuilt the American image around the world of as the land of the free. And I remember, as you do, Steve, I remember how bad it was under Jimmy Carter with the inflation and the defense. Our, our military was falling apart. The Russians were, uh, you know, the Soviets were advancing all over the world. And Reagan brought an end to all of that. Yes, yes. And and Carter had no answers to it. Steve, if I may, just one more thing about Joe Biden and inflation. Yes. Okay, can I? Yes. Okay, three points. Oh, right. He can deny he can deny it all he wants to. He's cutting off our energy, cutting off the pipelines, causing an increase in the gas supply. This is why deinflation. Right. Number one. Number two, having to his his welfare benefit, his free unemployment, his free stuff, making it harder for businesses to hire people. They've had to increase their labor costs. That has caused an increase in costs. And and we have the, the government pumping money into the economy. That causes inflation right there. Just in yes. six six months, he can lie about it all he wants. Number two. There was another. Oh, yeah. Uh, he, he's try, I don't know if you saw it. He's trying to take credit for bringing the economy back. We're still under the Trump economy, sir. All right. Ta- lower yep. taxes, deregulation. You would agree, right? OK, so, Steve, first of all, great call. Thank you very much. I agree entirely with everything that you just said, my friend. I, I, it is amazing to me that uh, that um, Biden is taking credit for an economy. The reason the economy is booming right now is because of the, of the vaccine which, uh, as you just heard from our previous segment, you've got to uh, people have to take that vaccine. Uh, it's it's, it's uh, I know. Look, I believe in freedom of choice, but I think people should be vaccinated. OK, we got the lines are lighting up now. We've got Alex from uh, WABC online to oh, I'm sorry. Uh, is it Alex or Elaine? Elaine. OK, sorry about that. Elaine from Wayne, New Jersey. What do you got, it, uh, Elaine? Uh, like Hamdi said, we have a two-tier justice system, and the people at the uh, January 6th incident, they put them in solitary confinement, which is wrong. Outrageous. The person who should be in solitary confinement is Biden and his son. They're the ones who should be. All the crimes are committed. Okay. How come they're not in solid confinement? Yeah. All right. And Elaine, okay. And who, what president would you like to see put on? Trump. Uh, Donald Trump. Trump. I love him. Trump. Trump. All right. I was wondering if we'd get a Trump. All right. I, I, I loved Donald Trump, too. Elaine, thank you for calling. It's, and by the way, I want to I make a very serious point here. What Elaine is saying is very serious. And what is happening to the people 
who were involved in the uh, January 6th protests is really outrageous. And I have two uh, acquaintances, one close friend that is being treated incredibly cruelly. Uh, but, but, you know, they're, they're being treated like they're murderers. And, and look, I do not approve of people who storm the Capitol. Let me be very clear about that. But some of these people were just on the Capitol grounds. They, did, they didn't even commit any crimes. And they are being treated like, uh, by the way, they haven't been convicted of anything yet. And they're, it, the, uh, Elaine is right. They are being put in solitary confinement. It is really outrageous. My heart goes out to uh, to the people who are being so mistreated uh, by the uh, by the, by the uh, Capitol Police and, and the judicial system and the prosecutors. Okay, we've got time for one or two more quick one. I guess we have Pamela from New Jersey. Pamela, thanks for calling in. Oh, thank you. Um, I, I say Trump on Mount Rushmore. No man has gone through Yay! more torture. What, what do you love about Trump? Uh, wonderful four years. He saved the world. Um, fantastic four years, and the man went through such torture to serve his country, and he did not have to. And you know what? Uh, what do you think about 2024? Trump. You think you want him to run? And the uh, and no rhinos. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Oh my God, we're four more years. Well, you know what? I I think there is. Uh, I'm undecided about it, frankly. And I worked for Donald Trump. I love the guy. I don't know if he's the right guy for 24. I do think he was an incredible president. He made some mistakes, but the way he rebuilt our economy. Uh, you are so right about that, Pamela. I mean, and I, you know what I love, Pamela, also about Trump? I, again, I was in the Oval Office many times with Trump. Sometimes I'd argue with him. I love that about Trump. You can argue with the guy. But one of the things that I really love about Trump is I believe, unlike this president, every decision that he made, Pamela, when I was with him and, and any time I observed him was to put America first. And I'm not so sure Joe Biden is doing that. You agree, Pamela? Oh, I think Pamela dropped. Anyway, I just don't see that in Biden. I don't see the commitment to putting America first. Why would he? Why would he approve a, a, a Russia Germany pipeline, but not a pipeline here in the good old USA? Okay, we got one minute left. I just want to say this on the way out: uh, the more money uh, lesson for the day is our small businesses, the men and women, the thirty million people who really make the American economy tick, they are hurting because our policies out of Biden are hurting our small businesses, our restaurants, our mountain pop stores, our small construction companies, our small manufacturers. If you're one of those people who have started a business and you're suffering because you can't get the workers back or because of the high taxes, all of these things are really negatively affecting our small businesses, especially that's why we cannot go back to the lockdowns, they were they hurt our small businesses and they helped our big businesses. So what I'm saying is, what we need right now, this is the more money lesson. We need policies that help the men and women who run our small businesses. They make America great. Hope you have a great, great rest of your weekend. This is Stephen Moore. You've been listening to More Money, and I'll be back same that time next week. Have a great weekend. Signing off on 77 WEC Talk Radio. Stop. ED is no laughing matter. This could be caused from low T, high blood pressure, or diabetes. Elevate Wellness can help. 40% of men over 40 have experienced this. Make the call to Elevate Wellness now. 973-354-2276. 973-354-2276. The office visit is only $99 and includes exam, blood work, test dose, and consultation. Call Elevate Wellness. 973 354 
2276 or elevatewellnessgroup.com. 